the way that you get this show, you're going to have to type in PowerPoint presentation into whatever it is that you use for video or audio podcasts. Um, and then you're going to have to watch us. Um, and when I say you have to, I mean... It- <clears throat> and now, Some Nobodies presents PowerPoint Showdown where each presenter arrives unprepared and just has to do their best. Without further ado, this week's keynote speaker. Hello, and thank you for joining us for our conference. Tonight, you will hear four professionals discuss our topic, the vampire myth in popular culture. With me, as always, are Guy Manley, Guy Manlier, and our special guest, Dave Borowski. <laughs> Guy Man. I'll be your keynote speaker, Guy Manliest, and I will be leading this conference tonight on PowerPoint Showdown. For those of you joining us for the first time, each speaker will be given 10 minutes to present on the topic of our week. After each presentation, there will be a short question and answer session from the panel. After the fourth presentation, the panelists will vote on which speaker will be awarded the $50,000 scholarship to some nobody's university and the Nostalgia Prize. Guy Manlier, can you showcase the Nostalgia Prize for this week? Absolutely. I actually forgot that we were still doing that. Uh, so uh, I happen to have here a uh, one-of-a-kind, amazing Jurassic Park Army uh, uh, shoulder <laughs> strap to hold at least up to seven or eight tablets, depending on what you need to type on. Well, uh, and the, the Batman pad actually uh, increases the value. So. No, I know. That's why I'm just going to put that in there as well. So that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Manlier. And uh, now, without further ado, I will be uh, delivering our first presentation, uh, producers. My presentation this week is on if vampires weren't real, then there would be no pop culture to or to not make myths about them. Now, of course, vampires are a cornerstone of, uh, of course, American popular culture, and American popular culture is a cornerstone of world popular culture. So by transitive property, vampires are a cornerstone of world popular culture. Without them, we couldn't ha- make myths about them. Mm. And popular culture is just modern-day mythology. Let's find out how. Let's go to the next slide. Now, of course, we had the discussion on the man versus the myth versus the monomyth. Now, first you can see a man. See? Do you see a man sitting on his field, elevated, both in mind and body, above the just plains? And then there's a myth. Need I say more? Of course, it's uh, important to distinguish between man and the myth. Now, the man is sitting over his field, thinking. The myth, hovering over the woman, prowling. And the monomyth, invisible. Because the monomyth, it circums and circums everything. Mono. In circums. Mono. It has a lot of curves and a lot of circles in it. Yeah. The myth, it's spiky. It's got a lot of a lot of ups and downs. And then the man, a combination of both of them. It's through the mm. monomyth and the myth that the man comes to be. Now let's go to the next slide, please. Now the monomyth slide, which I briefly covered in the previous one. Because it's circles. Yeah. Of course. Circles within circles, just like George Lucas planned with the Star Wars trilogy and the prequel trilogy. Now, of course, Hero's Journey also known as a monomyth. Goes Act One, Act Two, and Act Three. Now I'm not going to go into too much of this. Dylan, the other host, is not here today. 
myself, Guy Manliest, is filling in for him. But the monomyth is a bunch of pie slices. And with that pie slices, when they come together, you get a delicious story. And of course, that delicious story filling right now is vampirism. And when you eat that pie, you get pop culture. Let's go to the next slide, please. Now, of course, popular culture nowadays in America is dominated by the movie, cinema, film. You know what it is. I know what it is. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you. But we've got movies with vampires versus nah. Now, with vampires, you've got toothed movies. Vampires have fangs. Yeah. They go like that. Now, you've got four primary vampire films. And they are series one, series two, and series three. Uh, and, of course, rated from zero stars to six stars on, uh, well, I can't name the uh, website because they're very litigious, but they go from zero stars to six stars. You have Interview with the Vampire. The first one, of course, is rated 4.3 stars. The second one, of course, 2.1, and the third, a two even. Twilight started off pretty weak at a 2.5, shot up to a 4.5, and down to a straight two. Ed Wood, three and a half, two. Three, Vampire Diaries, which is actually a TV show that was adapted from a movie, but of course I don't expect the people of this litigious website to understand that. Much higher rated on average, 4.5, and then of course you dip in 2.7, but that one uh, featured Kevin Spacey in the lead role, and then up to five stars at the end for that thrilling conclusion. Uh, and then of course, Gnaw, the toothless movies. These are movies without vampires. They're horror movies, and they're spooky, and everybody's pale and creepy, but they're not vampires. you got Sleepy Hollow, Secret Window, Nick of Time, and Mordecai. Uh, and I'm not going to go through those rankings specifically, but you can see that the movies without vampires, not only are they generally on average rated higher, they're also rated horizontally. <laughs> and the important thing about that is that unlike American popular culture, which goes vertically because we like to build tall, hmm. the toothless movies follow the European format where they rate wide. Let's go to the next slide, please. All right, now allow me to tell you this 10-word story about vampires. That was 11 words, but you know. Oi, versus my teeth. Chunk, bye-bye, small boy. Those aren't my teeth. Those are vampire teeth. Of course, I'm simulating this for the sake of the presentation. But, as you can see, vampire myths, you don't need a whole lot to go through. It's like those Twitter challenges where it's like, tell me a story in six words. You do it because you want to get the attention of a publisher or an agent, but those publishers and agents aren't paying attention to their Twitter feeds. They're not like querying people based on some six word story you told in response to a Twitter prompt. Get over yourself. But the vampire myth, it's got bite. It's got teeth. It's going to hook people. It's going to hypnotize people and then sneak into their room at night and watch them sleep. And that's how you get an agent. You got to learn. Vampire stories will tell you exactly what you need to do to get a book published. Let's go to the next slide, please. Now, of course, main question and the main controversy about vampire stories is, do we need more dental terrors? People die, their gums recede. Doctors, dentists, they wear a mask, you can't see their teeth. Skulls, teeth out all the time. It's not great. Now, when surveyed, <clears throat> excuse me, an average of two out of 10 Americans said yes, one out of 10 said no, eight out of 10 said not sure, five out of 10 said probably, and 7.5 out of 10 said maybe. And what do we learn from this? You got to properly source your surveys because those numbers do not add up or they allow people to answer multiple times. Let's go to the next slide. 
Yeah. So pop culture. I'm not going to get into the history of pop culture because, of course, you're going back to Gilgamesh, the first story that people generally know of, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, that sort of thing. But the normal progression of pop culture, you have a baby. That baby looks at something through a spyglass, and then money is exchanged under the table. And that money is used to buy a house, and that house leads to cannibalism. Powerful words. Um and I think we can all really learn a lesson about how vampirism extended from that theme of cannibalism that runs throughout American popular culture. Uh, let's progress to the next slide, please. Ah, now, in conclusion, <clears throat> pop culture, you got a lot of stories, but you have three main formats. You have someone stealing a corpse or a mannequin, such as in Mannequin 2 on the town. You have a man sniffing ankles, because who doesn't like a nice ankle sniff? And you've got a man biting a wrist. And you take those three together. You have uh, rigor mortis making the body stiff. You have an unnatural attraction to a part of the body. Not the ankle this time, but the neck. Because when you think about it, the ankle is just the neck of the leg. And then you have a man biting someone, feasting on their blood, turning them into a vampire. They're dressed as like, like peasants because vampire is like an old thing or something. I don't know. I had my assistant put this together. So in conclusion, the vampire myth leads into pop culture, goes into the mono myth. Man tells the mono myth. Man gets mono. Uh, um, vampires don't feed on people with mono, and so you have the story of garlic with vampires in pop culture. And I think that will conclude my presentation today on if vampires weren't real, then there would be no pop culture to or to not make myths about them. Great job. Thank you. Beautiful, Thank you. beautiful. Uh, I will now accept questions from the panel. Uh, yes, Mr. Guy Manlier. Yes, uh, Guy Manlius, first and foremost, thank you very much for taking your uh, unimportant time and letting us know about vampires. Uh, my main question, though, and if we can get the producers to bring up the slide on the horizontal versus vertical. <coughs> thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. I did notice that of all of the toothless movies, they all star Johnny Depp. Does that have mm -hmm. any relevance to anything about either pop culture or vampires? Or does he just have fake teeth? Uh, he does have fake teeth only in Mordecai. Um, but, of course, Johnny Depp is a huge feature in a lot of American popular culture. And I just wanted to really capture the iconoclasm of that actor as he appears in different eras of American film. Uh, it was purely just a sampling bias. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up so I can at least acknowledge it in my sourcing. Thank you. Of course. Um, Guy Manley. Now... I think you covered everything that you were trying to perfectly, except for one thing. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering about um, how people with mono not getting bitten by vampires has anything to do with garlic. Does garlic give mm. the people the mono or is it a cure for mono or are people just do, do the do their blood turn into garlic when they have mono? Like, is it a lime juice scurvy situation? Mm. Um, yes, I believe that mono is actually a um, caused by a lack of garlic in the diet. And so when people would get mono in, in times past, they would hold garlic up to them as a way of repelling that. And through some sort of mixed signals, you know, cultural transfer, transfer and translation error and uh, that sort of thing, I think the two got kind of intertwined in the cultural 
brainstem, hmm. so, so that, to speak. That hmm. did not answer my question, but uh, don't. Nor don't did worry it make any it. sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, <laughs> they hold the garlic up to them, like yes. rather than. Cons- All right. I, I I've spent enough time on this question. Next question, please. Um, um, can yes, can we bring first. up the uh, the mano uh, uh, myth slide, please? Um, I was wondering why Act One has three slices, Act mm-hmm. Three has two slices, and Act Two has four slices. Hmm. Uh, this graphic was purchased from a stock image website, <laughs> and it was not necessarily shopped for accuracy or appropriateness of the conversation. I just simply needed a visual aid with which hmm. to accompany the monomyth which is a big word that not a lot of people bother knowing. So I could just kind of put whatever image I wanted up. Right. I, I appreciate your thoroughness and uh, attention to detail. Yes. Uh. Uh, any further <laughs> questions from the panel? No. Ex- right. Expert, expertly done. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Good right. stuff. And uh, that, that concludes my presentation. Now, without further ado, please welcome our second presenter, Mr. Dave Borowski. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, as you guys know, I can't make presentations without being absolutely shit-faced, so that is why I am uh, double-fisting. Um, also, I didn't want to have <laughs> the shakes, so uh, my presentation is on vampires. Vamp, Lamia, Naferastu, Undead, Bloodsuckers, Flirt, and the myth that makes up pop culture. So... Uh, a lot of bloodlines in vampires, blood, blood suckers, the whole thing. Uh, it's based in blood. Uh, it's actually a, a, a very traditional uh, thing. Uh, stretching back even to ancient Sumerian times, this uh, need for blood or thinking of uh, blood as being good or uh, you know giving you longevity. Um, uh, it's why a lot of uh, our politicians and billionaires still practice this, uh, despite it not having any scientific basis. Um, next slide, please. What is pop culture? News, movies, fashion, entertainment, tech, food, slang. Uh, a culture appropriation could also be uh, subbed for slang there. Um, you know, Again, all things uh, ran by the rich, uh, all people, who drank baby blood. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, these are the issues surrounding vampires and the issues surrounding all of us in the world in a current relevant culture. Uh, now, these, w- are they affected by vampires or a cause of them? Next slide, please. My thesis. <laughs> Uh, this is a, a picture from of, with, of me from high school. Um, I don't know why uh, my assistant decided to include that in there, um, but uh, you know, still, I am I am puzzled by the entire the entire thing. It's still very puzzling to me. Uh, the term "popular culture" was coined in the mid nineteenth century and is referred to the culture, traditions of the people, and the current times of what's popular at the time. Vampires. Uh, properly originated in folklore in Eastern Europe in the late 17th and 18th centuries. Uh, There is some uh, hints that it was earlier than that, maybe even further, but there's not a lot of data. And we like to be very scientific. We like to go with the data. And what we have, you know, actual data for dates back to those times. Uh, 
The Vampire Diaries, an American uh, supernatural uh, uh, teen drama television series, very similar to what uh, my previous uh, presenter was just speaking of, of, uh, you know, what referring to Twilight, uh, originally aired in September 2009. Um, You'll note that predates Twilight, Uh, not the books. However, the scripts, were they written before? Were they written after? Who's to say? Again, no data. Next slide, please. Let's break this down. Why is a myth popular? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and also, tits. Let's be honest, you know. Who doesn't like, uh, who doesn't like those perky, perky uh, little puppers, you know? Uh, also, puppers, tits. You're starting to see the symbolism here, you know. Thank you. Next slide. Uh, chart of myths with or without vampires. Not self-explanatory. Now, Tom Cruise, vampire. Um, it is believed by our pink line here that uh, Tom Cruise did not start as a vampire. However, he's now a very high card-holding member of the Scientologist movement, known vampires. Now. See how that pink line shoots right up there at the end? Look at that. Grandpapa Munster. Represented by the uh, purple line here. Uh, Also, ignore the um, uh, things at the bottom where they say which lines are what. That doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not sure why that was added in. Um, uh, Grandpapa Munster. Started vampire. Kind of came back around. Started, started really turning the thing around. Tried to stop. Only ate rats for a little while. Even tried to go vegan. Didn't quite work. Now, now, now slightly, you know, moving back towards vampire over the, over the time. Uh, uh, Bill Captain. We actually don't have a line for him. I don't know why he's on here. Um, and Edward Cullen. That's the blue line. Not vampire. Huge vampire. Really less, actually, more human than he even started to begin with. And now moving up to sort of kind of vampire again. Next slide, please. Are myths even accurate? Now, here's, here's where we're going to get into the really knit and, knit and gritty of this whole thing. Uh, so, uh, when, you know, let, let's, let's look at all these things that are supposedly, you know, uh, uh, supposed to affect or empower vampires. Uh, wooden stakes, moonlight, garlic, changing into bats. Uh, and let's let's start with uh, you know let's go over all the way to the right here. Wooden stake in the heart would indeed uh, kill the average house cat, um, unless it was mine. He's kind of he's quick. He's a little wily guy. Uh, but uh, with Robert Pattinson, almost certainly you know uh, unless he is wearing that sweet sweet new uh, Batman uh, chest piece. Um, but then, you know, if, if you maybe like sharpened it enough and like slid it into a certain spot, who's, who's to say, uh, we'd have to do on, uh, you know, on the, on the ground, actual investigations and get actual data from trying to attempting to murder Mr. Pattinson, um, which, which we can do. We, we have funding for it. Uh, you know, human. Yeah. I mean, it could be, uh, it de- again, depends on, on whether or not they have like, you know, a, a previously broken, uh, chest plate uh, that may be reinforced with metal. Again, we need more data, but what the data we have says, yes, probably death. Uh, for vampires, myth or not, hmm, seems to us that yes, you know, wooden stakes still would be death. Uh, moonlight, 
average cat house. I uh, see it says lick self, but I feel like that is, you know, that's pretty much a uh, universal, um, for me, uh, the average cat, uh, you know, house cat, uh, generally, uh, goes full werewolf almost, uh, if you will, during the night runs around, does crazy stuff. Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, yeah, becomes Batman. Uh, but just fairly recently, um, human get in a hot tub or, uh, get out a hot tub cause it might be cold. Uh, depending on the time of the year, uh, vampire, uh, go out, um, uh, or, or not, or stay in and party and, uh, like, you know, drink blood, um, garlic, uh, vampire, not, not big fans, uh, humans sometimes, um, especially when they have, uh, you know, the previously mentioned, uh, disease. So, um, Robert Pattinson, uh, we, we actually, we have, we have a little bit of data on this. This is not a completely up-to-date slide. Uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, allergic, strange. Um, uh, and actually, uh, this is also not completely up updated either. The average house cat, um, uh, uh, plays with it and swats it around like a, like a toy, um, changing into a bat vampire. Yes, we believe so. Uh, that's what the, uh, the, the data shows us human. Um, not unless you're a Clinton, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, sort of, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we'll we'll say uh, cosplays as bad, um, and uh, average uh, house cat, no, but the unaverage again need more data. Next slide, please. Uh, starving uh, a starving child is a frightful sight. A starving vampire, even worse. And rice. Well, I mean, she would say that, wouldn't she? You know what I mean. Uh, next slide, please. <laughs> and in conclusion, uh, sometimes things can be two things. Hmm. Pattinson, maybe. Again, we need more data. Also, is this a werewolf or a wolf king? Again, more data needed. So I believe that uh, it makes it extraordinarily clear that we uh, we have some data. We need more data. Um, so obviously, we need the funding. Hmm. Uh, and, and now I will open it up to questions and answers. <laughs> um, Guy Manlier. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for trying to be eloquent uh, during that presentation. Uh, it seems like the presentation was on the path to talk about vampires and pop culture and then swerved uh, drastically into you begging for money to get more data about house cats, werewolves, and I think possibly vampires. Will you please speak on that? Um, I mean, we are we're concerned that there are indeed vampires. Uh, and it's not just affecting pop culture, but... I think what I established in the beginning, hopefully, let me reiterate if I, if I didn't make it clear, is that uh, not only is it affecting pop culture, but it has become pop culture. You know, we, we think that they have infiltrated into pop culture and, and we really just need more data and, uh, and therefore funding. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> uh, Guy Manlius, please. Um, yes, your 
Encounter with the Wolf King is really well known in certain circles, but I think some people in our audience, A, are not aware of what a Wolf King is, and B, are not aware of the story. Could you elaborate on those two points for us? Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's a, a, a new term. Uh, we, we were all aware of back in the plague, uh, there was a thing called a Rat King, where uh, several rats would get bound up together by their tails uh, and then, uh, you know, run around causing havoc. And, uh, just, you know, it's up to no good, just doing shenanigans. Uh, recently, uh, it seems like several wolves will be joined by their uh, heads, actually. Uh, and, and now we've, we've uh, we kind of adopted that term, but replaced rat with wolf. Thus, you have wolf king. Mm. Excellent. Nice. Thank you for the elaboration. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of course. Uh, and yes, Guy Manley. Uh, yeah, you said that uh, you didn't know if the... Uh... Vampire Diaries uh, predated the Twilight books, but as everyone knows, uh, the Vampire Diaries is a book series, and it came out in 1991. Um, I I don't think that your presentation was very well researched, and uh, I don't have a question. I just wanted to um, let you know that oh. there was a book series on the Vampire Diaries that came out in in the early nineties, mm -hmm. and uh, hey, you should hey, probably. Guy, guy read it. I'm if, just if uh, you... I'm just the present presentation guy. Okay, it, you know I I don't do the research. We need to hire more researchers, which is again why we need the funding. Okay, well it, there's about sixty books in that series, and it, uh, in all maybe fairness, you should buy those and do the research uh, on pop culture vampires. Well, guy, mainly I appreciate you uh, bringing this to my attention. I I promise you, someone will be fired over this. Uh, good, good. That's all I want. All I wanted now, to know was that somebody fairness, would lose their job. In all fairness, someone will lose their job. The Twilight is a book series based on fan fiction of musical genre, whereas uh, the uh, Vampire Diaries is a diary series, which I, is, is a little different what? because it's kind of like the true crime in written form, so not fictional. Right. Well, and here's the Diuretic. thing is, is uh, you know, it sounds like you guys uh, would be great researchers and I would love to hire you once I procure this funding. So <laughs> I enjoy my unemployment, but thank you for the presentation. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's get this guy a fifty thousand dollar grant so that we can get hired. Um as, and as replace the researchers, yeah. get fired. Yes. Well, uh, thank you, Dave Borowski. We appreciate the presentation. We're on to our absolutely third thank you for your time. Our third speaker, Guy Manlier. Oh. Welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming to this presentation on such short notice. Obviously, what we're trying to do is make sure that we can quantify how vampires have gotten into pop culture. We know they're there. We understand what pop culture is. Heck, we understand what vampires are. But we want to understand what it means for the vampires in pop culture. Now, obviously, one of the fastest things, what sells the most? Sex sells. So you're going to come into pop culture, which is the popular culturalization of uh, society. You're looking at things that sell. Sex sells. But is too much sex selling too much? Now, have vampires gotten too sexy? That's pretty much what I'm going to be getting into today, while also just skirting the lines of pop culture. Uh, next slide, please. Now, opinion one. Yeah, we got to stop making these vampires too sexy. Um, when you look at the math, 
it almost doesn't add up. You have hunky men. You have big, thick mustaches with teeth coming right out of them. You have amazing goth humor. Uh, and, and the wardrobe is is gorgeous. They're pretty much hanging out inside of a playpen, uh, holding up what looks like sheer ignorance. But the problem is, that's sexy. And God damn it, a dumb man is sexy. A dumb woman is sexy. Big, long, bloody fangs. Sexy. And the problem is that they're just taking over. If sex sells, vamps sell. Next slide, please. Now, here's why vampires should not be sexy. Now, if you look at this diagram over here. <clears throat> now, it's easy for anyone to be like looking under the bookshelves for any kind of like understanding. Because when you look at a regular eyesight, we don't know why vampires are so sexy. They shouldn't be. When you look at the kid in school that's a little too pale, do you think he's sexy? I don't know. When you look at the one person at the library and their teeth are way too long, is that sexy? No. But when you merge all those things together and you push them under a utility shelf while having them try to stop booby traps, let me ask you, should they be sexy doing this? Should these people that are getting on their hands and knees and backs and butts trying to disarm these booby traps for everyone, do they need to be sexy? I get why they need to be vampires. Well, okay, what is that yellow thing at the bottom? I have no uh, next slide, please. That's that's a plum bob. Oh, it's a plum. That's not a plum bob. Plum bobs are more uh, intrusive to holes. That's obviously that's not a plum bob. That's a yellow version of when uh, that's a deal. What's that? I think, state? I think it's a urinal cake. Oh, I think it's a it's uh, Kenny from South Park doing blackface. That's nowhere near. Oh, actually, I see that. I don't like that. Next slide, please. Okay, opinion two. No, please continue making vampires even sexier. Here's the problem is that we're skirting on the lines and like people are looking at these vampires going, oh, I'm pretty sure that's sexy. Now, if we made them sexier, the question would be gone. Mm. And then it's like, you know, when you watch Fast and Furious 1 and 2, you're like, I don't know where these guys are going to go. I'm interested. But now that you get to Fast and Furious 12 and 13, you're like, I don't care anymore, guys. I know what you guys are about. You're going to space. No longer sexy. You make them sexier and in turn becomes less sexy. Now, when you start revolving things around Petri dishes and medication and what I think is the DNA strand of mononucleosis, uh, which I think is Latin for one, hence the one person in the middle, uh, you're going to see that everything revolves around just uh, the nervous system of babies. Is that sexy? No, absolutely not. Next slide, please. Now, vampires are not sexy enough. This is a firm opinion. If you follow me on Twitter, you're going to notice that I say it a lot. Vampires are not sexy enough. It's almost a whirlwind of things that could be sexier here. Now, if you increase or decrease uh, in deaths by, per day, uh, <laughs> which is obviously what happens when the vamps come out at night, uh, they start increasing the deaths uh uh, per day, right? Just that's 24 hour period, not just mm -hmm. the daylight part of that. Now, when you look over here, you're going to see a whole bunch of dots of colors. And if I had the time, I would literally enlarge this so that I could read it to you to understand what most of this is. But all I can say is similar to the end fight of the blade with the blood tornado, that needs to be sexy vampires, not blood. Next slide, please. Now, in my opinion, I mean, look, 
This is this is like the the dumber equivalent of leading a horse to water. Can you go through a drive-through? Sure. Do you need a window to do that? No. Do you need air condition? Not if you can roll the window down. And obviously, because it's COVID, you can't tell who's a vampire by these masks or not. And honestly, it is smart in the stranger times, you know, the the, the darker areas of the city. When you're out there looking for sexy robots, make sure you lock your doors, especially if you're in the drive-through. Please, next slide. All right. Now, spotting vampires in the wild and deciding whether they're sexy or not is actually pretty easy. It's actually very easy. And if you look over here, you're going to see what the modern vampire looks at through the day. Now, if we go through some of these numbers, you're going to say one, two, not very sexy. Three, kind of sexy. Four, not sexy. Now you have five through eight, not sexy whatsoever. Nine, don't know why. Very sexy. Ten, not sexy, not a vampire. I think that's a bear. Eleven and twelve, they're borderline. And this is what we got to stop. There's too many people wondering, am I allowed to think vampires are sexy? Am I allowed to be attracted to vampires? That's all just blood drinkers, right? But when you think about it, Latin for blood, sanguine. What's people's favorite thing to drink outside? Sangria. That's sexy. Next slide, please. Now, in conclusion, we can all just hide on these buses in, in London. We can go out and take tours of the city looking for the original sexy vampire. Is it Lestat from Interview with a Vampire? I have no idea. Is it some weird uh, culmination of Cousin It and uh, 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 that one guy Snyder from uh, that rock band that I can't think of right now? <laughs> Twisted Sister? Maybe. Is he a vampire? I don't think so. This is not sexy, my friends. You got to look on that sexy scale. Not sexy. Now, when it comes to pop culture, like I said in the beginning, sex sells. When you have things like, what, Vampire Diaries, which no one has brought up today for some reason. Uh, you have 39 seasons of a show that is nothing but sexy men looking at each other, telling each other how sexy they are. And apparently which I did my due diligence. I read roughly 60 diary novels of this thing to prove that there is nothing sexier than men emoting. What's a vampire? A little sad emo boy. Look three panels down. Little sad emo boy. Is that sexy? No. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for their time, consideration, and thoughtfulness when it comes, when it comes down to popular culture, sexifying myths and legends and i will be more than happy to take any and all questions right now yes guy manly yeah um you mentioned sexy robots um, i did not you you you, you did. absolutely did you did you 100 did you, you 100%, said, uh, 100% said sexy robots and i was you said, wondering, said sexy robots yeah no that was that I was, was one of my questions as well guy manly. i was wondering mm -hmm. if that had to do are the vampires sexy because you said that the sexiness comes from the i think vampires. it was i think it was on this slide yeah mm -hmm. I, yeah you, you that said that the vampires sense. were emoting um and i i think that that's impossible for robots to do so which well, one is it? Is it are the are the vampires robots? Are the robots all vampires? And, and, and no, if I, I may I, add on to it, I, I oh. you know you said uh we said uh and and it, you know I'm not you know we're walking out here uh getting emotions from these sexy robots and I was yeah. like robots don't have emotions. 
Okay. I mean, what, what, unless we're talking about AI now, is vampires yeah. just AI? What's going on? Okay, it, it's it's pretty upsetting that uh, the, the panel is not paying attention to what I feel is the most important slide and part of my presentation when it comes to the sexy robots. Because what happens here is you have these sexy vampires out, and they're trying to bite everyone's necks, right? But the problem is, what does a vampire find sexy? They don't find other vampires sexy. They find sex robots sexy. So vampires are on the hunt for the sexy robots where you got to stay away from or else you're in direct path of those sexy vampires. My necks can't take that. My leg necks or my neck necks. Next question, please. Uh, Guy Manlius, please. Yes, um, you did mention that you read all of the Vampire Diaries novels, all 60-some of them. Would you yeah. mind giving us the title of your favorite and a brief synopsis of the storyline just for posterity's sake? Yeah. Um, so they there is this one, I believe it's number 33 or I think it's 33 and it's like a spoof of where the red fern grows and it pretty much is like a Romeo and Juliet style fantasy telling of what would happen if this uh, uh this 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 20 somethings uh very sexy vampire stole a heart from someone now obviously there's a lot of uh, 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 thoughts to go with that. There's a lot of parallels you can put that, like stealing a heart. But no, he actually had a human heart, and he's licking it for sustenance. And then he decides that if he plants this thing, uh, does he in fact grow a sexy vampire out of this? Uh, the answer is no. What he grew was uh, some stench from rotting flesh under the ground. Um, but yeah, number thirty-three, uh, uh, where the red, uh, where the red, fern, the red fern grows. <clears throat> That, I would say that's the one that I had to reread a couple times because it just it got it got me. Excellent, thank you. Uh, yes, Dave Borowski. Um, can can we bring up the the final slide, please? Yes. Uh, so um, to to me, it looks like, and, and now I could be wrong, uh, mm -hmm. but it looks like this this may be this may be actually making your whole point because I don't think this is commercially. Uh, viable. I don't think this is uh, a sellable on a pop cultural level. Looks like to me, this individual, uh, his arm is burning that is in the sunlight and they are yelling in pain uh, while the rest of them is covered in shadow. Is this a vampire? Well, we're not really sure. See, I took a cruise uh, to London. I had to go around and apparently the the, the local customs are if you hang outside of 266 Craven Park, you might find the elusive uh, albino Sasquatch vampire. Now, I asked them, is this vampire sexy? And they said, oh, hell no. So I didn't actually look. I had to Google this picture right here because if it's not a sexy vampire, it has no part in popular culture, at least mine. That's fair. Uh, but isn't your isn't your whole thing that we should make them less sexy? Well, I was I was uh, uh, just really bringing forth the question for everyone. Like, I need to I need to pose the question to you. Do you think they should be less sexy? I do not. And I've proven as that I don't. But do you, the average uh, unsexy human, think that they should be I'm less? Seeing, sexy? I'm seeing Guy Manly and Guy Manliest really, really shake their heads. What's going on, guys? Sex those vampires up. Yeah, there's no such thing as too sexy for mm -hmm. vampires. But well, then you're going to get that blood. Vampires. You're going to get that blade one finale so, blood tornado of sexiness going on. Keep that. In so, mind. so what we what we need to do is is find this vampire and murder them. Mm, absolutely. 
Okay. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm, on, I'm actually on board with that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And if we look back at one of your slides, we'll find out exactly how to do that. I think it's put them in a hot tub full of holy water. Uh, but yeah, that was my presentation <laughs> on uh, vampires in popular culture. Thank you, everyone in attendance, for um, keeping your eyes open. Thank Excellent. you. Thank you, Guy Manlier. And uh, of course, our final speaker for the night. Without further ado, Guy Manley. Now, I would like to tie all of the presentations uh, that we've had today together um, with a presentation about the entire history of the myth of the vampire. Now, we're going to have to separate during this presentation the myth of the vampire with what actually is going on with the real vampires. Um, so hopefully this shouldn't take too long um i think the presentation that i put together is fairly concise uh considering the history of the myth of the vampire um so hopefully we can get through this in a in a good amount of time um so let's get started with the next slide please now a brief history of the vampire myth it goes all the way back to 1988 i know a lot of you don't remember 1988 uh it was a long time ago but the first vampire uh spike from angel uh and buffy came out in 1988 a lot of people don't know about the spike books that joss whedon wrote when he was in elementary school but th this was the origin of the vampire myth um, it goes all the way through um, Antonio Banderas, um, Angel, uh, Brad Pitt. They're all vampires uh, in real life, and they've also played them in movies. Uh, Johnny Depp is also a real vampire. Um, next slide, please. Now, the origin of the myth comes from somebody was eating an egg. And they said, now, I'm eating this chicken's child. What's going to happen if I would eat a human child? Uh, they decided that that was a little bit too brutal. So they just bit the baby's neck and sucked out all of its blood. Um, thus turning uh, British actor James Marsden into the first vampire. Um, which is what Joss Whedon wrote his novels about when he was in elementary school. And uh, it, it was the origin of the James Marsters did go through and bite uh, Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas and all of the other famous vampires. Um, and all because he said, if I'm going to eat this chicken's baby, why can't I eat my neighbor's baby? Um, so, a little bit messed up, but also we wouldn't know about vampires today if if that hadn't happened. Uh, next slide, please. Now, through cultural osmosis, everything that we know about vampires, it's one of those things your grandmother knew about vampires. And when she died... All that knowledge was brought to you. Um, 
so through family trees and people dying and their consciousness going into their families, which is how it works. Um, you know everything there is to know about vampires. You already know that James Marston bit a baby, uh, drank its blood, and turned into a vampire, turning several other people into vampires. And uh, really, the words on this chart don't matter. All that matters is the arrows. The arrows represent your dead relatives and their consciousness transferring into you next slide now vampires in the modern era this is the worst picture of james marsden i've ever seen um it doesn't look like him it looks as though this is a robotic mouse but this is exactly how it happened um james marsden did go into the crib of his neighbor uh his neighbor's baby and he just bit that head and uh sucked all the blood directly out of the head and uh this is a little bit too brutal i'm gonna have to ask you to skip to the next slide please because this is this is hard to look at um now the powers of transformation as you know uh vampires can turn into different animals um a lot of times, for some reason, when when they're portrayed in popular culture, they turn into sexy animals like bats and wolves. Uh, but for the most part, most vampires are going to turn into possums. They turn into possums, and then just like in your Vampire Diaries books, in your uh, interview with the vampire movies... They are going to have orgies. Um, but the problem is, when you turn into a vampire, uh, your human genitals uh, fall off. The only time that you can have orgies is when you're transformed into an animal. Uh, so anytime you're out in public, mostly at night, um, and you see animals joined up in a ball, a rat king a wolf king, a possum king. It's more data. It's, it's all just animals. It's all just animal versions of vampires having an orgy. Um, they still love to do it. They love to, to do it when they were humans. Now they can't because they have no any sort of human genitalia. So they have to do it as animals. Um, now, if we don't get this slide off of the screen right now, uh, we're going to get demonetized on YouTube uh, for sexual content. So I'm going to have to ask you to Almost certainly. the last slide, please. Hmm. Vampires versus werewolves. Um, I will now recite as much of Warren Zevon's song, Werewolves of London, as I can. Um, and for any of you that know me... Um, I was born in 1997. Uh, I'm very, very young. And uh, so I don't know. All I know about Warren Zevon's song, Werewolves of London, is the part of the song that is in Kid Rock's version of um, some other song. 
So all I know is, ah, werewolves of London. Ah, Next slide, please. Big it up, bald, 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 biggie. <laughs> now, in conclusion, um, I think I've made it perfectly clear about the history of the vampire myth and the reality of vampires. Um, now, when you get turned into a vampire, uh, your human spouse is no longer going to want to be married to you because it is a lot of orgies. Um, it's a lot of nightlife. Uh, and it's a, it's no human genitalia. So if you're married to a human and the only time you can have sexual relations is when you're in the form of a bat, uh, though not compatible. Um, so for the most part, you get turned into a vampire and you're going to have to get divorced. It's just a harsh reality of what happens uh, when you get turned into a vampire. People think that not being able to go out during the day, having to subsist on human blood is the most painful part of becoming a vampire. But really, it's the emotional stress that you have to go through. A hundred percent of vampires are divorced um and it has most to, it, it mostly has to do with uh not so much the blood drinking but but the genitalia falling off um and that's for any gender um if you have two sets of genitalia they're both just gone uh <laughs> you look like a ken doll down there so it's inclusive okay yeah uh, no everybody everyone who turns into a vampire um has their genitals fall off. And uh, I'll take no further questions on that. Um, I'm glad that everyone was able to uh, attend our presentations today. Um, hopefully you, you know more now about vampires than you did um, when we started this. And uh, I will take questions uh, as long as it's not about genitals falling off. Uh, yes, uh, Dave Borowski. Okay, so um, uh, you said that your grandmother knew about vampires, uh, and and you and you did very uh, clearly state that your grandmother uh, or that you were born in uh, 1997. Yes. So uh, I'm just wondering how your grandmother knew about vampires before 1998 or 1988. Uh, she didn't know before 1988. Uh, she found out about vampires in 1993, um, died soon afterwards. So I was born with her knowledge of vampires okay. when I was born in 1997. Okay. Yeah, that clears that up. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Mr. Guy Manliest. Um, yes. Thank you for the presentation. Um, now for the other presentations tonight have all included some reference to popular culture, such as the Vampire Diaries. Now, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit as to how the Vampire Diaries are relevant to your presentation tonight. Well, I mean, the Vampire Diaries are about vampires. Um, as I stated before, uh, the Vampire Diaries came out in 1991 um, with three to five books per year mm -hmm. every year since then. Um it's one of the most pervasive 
points of pop culture having to do with vampires. Um, not the sexiest vampires. Everyone knows um, on the scale of sexy vampires that, of course, Antonio Banderas is the sexiest vampire. Um, but Arguable. they're up there. They're they're like they're like B tier sexy vampires. Thank you. Yes, Guy Manlier. Now I have a, a two part question. Uh, my first part is: uh, Would you mind ranking? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland as far as a vampire knowing that he's not the sexiest being Antonio Banderas but please rank Kiefer Sutherland as a vampire Kiefer Sutherland is a 7.3 okay uh, and it mostly has to do with the mullet yeah uh, the mullet takes him down about 2.8 points sure. in sexiness now, the second part of my first part of my question is, knowing that The Lost Boys came out in 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher, which I'm pretty sure is prior to your history of vampires, now that you've ranked a vampire in the movie, which would lead me to think that you know that's a vampire, mm -hmm. prior to 88, mm -hmm. please speak on this. Um, you have wrong data. Um, the vampire... Uh... That movie, The Lost Boys, came out in uh, 1989, and um, uh, I will uh, take no further questions about it. Okay, well, okay. Well, that, that... I, I do have a, another que question, kind of piggybacking on Guy Manlier's question, and I do have actual data to present for it. Um, uh, we can all uh, agree that the Nosferatu, one out of ten, right? Yes. Hmm. Nosferatu was uh, 1922. Nosferatu, not a vampire. Um, can uh, can you give me uh, some, again, data uh, to back that up? Uh, yeah, I just said it. Nosferatu is <laughs> not a vampire. He's, uh, he's a buck-toothed weirdo with uh, elf ears. And uh, he drinks blood, but that does not make him a vampire. Um, well, I mean, it, it says in the uh, description of the movie that was, again, came out in 1922, uh, this is a highly uh, influential silent film of the mysterious vampire uh, yes. known as the Nosferatu. Uh, that, played was by retro Max. that was retrofitted. They never said mm. vampire in Nosferatu. That's fair. No, he's it got was, you there, Dave. Yeah, it was retrofitted in 1992. Um <sighs> when they added the word vampire to yeah. Nosferatu. When yes. Willem Dafoe was in it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I remember yes, that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's the internet, so who, who knows if it's yeah, accurate. No, I mean, anybody can put anything they want up on the internet, so it's all just bullshit. Yeah, uh, true. Guy Manlier, I'm going to allow you one more question, even though you've had two already. Well, I had one, and then one B, uh, so that's one. Uh, now, speaking of uh, genitals falling off, um, when you said earlier that there was a possum king, that would that would elude me to think that there is a possum kingdom, which is, as we both know, a very popular Toadie song from the mm -hmm. early nineties. Also, is the this, name of that album, yes. Is is this about vampires? Knowing that it was post eighty eight, but unfortunately, I'm not sure if you know that because it's pre ninety seven. Yes. Oh, um, I mean, I've I've 
taken in uh, especially music from before the year i was born um but for the most part movies before 1997 are all all just terrible um but yes yes i have listened to the toadies uh possum kingdom and while they would have liked to have made the album about vampires Mm. um it's just it's just a it's just a sad uh try try to make money off of the popularity of uh grunge and um it it, it, they're just one of those 90s bands that just they just missed the mark of being a good band and uh yeah they they tried they tried very hard but they failed miserably and all of their songs sound the same so not about vampires or pop culture no just just about possums just about possums yeah yeah Fair. Not vampires that turned into possums, just regular ass possums. Well, on, behalf, possums. on behalf of the staff yeah. and uh, the, the janitor department, uh, I just want to say thank you very much for your time mm-hmm. and your patience with um, what happened before the show and throughout the show. What happened I mean, before the show? We don't, we don't, let's not talk about it. Uh, all right. it's a, fair enough. Uh, just trying to collect data. But, uh, it was terrible. Right. Okay. Well, well, when once you hire us, um, we'll we'll get that data into your research. Yeah, yeah, that's entirely fair. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you for that presentation, Mr. Manley. We appreciate that. And any questions from the panel? And now, with all four members of our pre- panel having given their presentations, we are now going to vote on which speaker is going to win the fifty thousand dollars scholarship to some nobody's university funded by some nobody's Patreon, and the Nostalgia Grand Prize. Now, of course, we're going to indicate that based on the order in which we made our appearances. I will be number one, Mr. Borowski will be number two, Manlier three, and Manly four. Uh, and we will be counting down in three, two, one. And of course, with the self-vote tiebreaker... Uh, that's a three. That's, that's a three. three. Oh, Okay, so wait. Tie. It's a tie. Well, <laughs> we a all get fifty thousand dollars. I believe now that we have to split the fifty thousand dollars scholarship, or at least occupy the same dorm room. Can, I gotta, I gotta I, send this Jurassic Park army to all four of us. May I make a a final a final pitch? Whoa. Sure. This is unprecedented. It is unprecedented, but I I there's nothing in the rule book about it. We have established that I am going to be having to fire a couple of researchers. And uh, based on the uh, obvious uh, intense amount of research the three of you have done, if the prize is given to me, then not only will it be given to me, but it then will funnel down into your paychecks as my new employees and researchers. So I feel like everybody wins. Guy Manlius sells his labor to no man. <laughs> I'm, sticking with, I'm sticking with Guy Manly. <laughs> Well, I was, <laughs> Guy Manliest uh, already voted two. Guy Manly voted two. Oh, so yeah. looks uh, like I'm swayed at least Guy Manly. I Very would fine. like to All at right. least um, be the one, uh, since I'm the one who did change my vote and voted for you. Um, I would like to be uh, head researcher in your research. I, 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 I would I would say director of research. Ethics in academia is dead today, and we fired the final bullet. 
Well, I, th- I think we know what our next week's presentation is going to be on. All right. Well, that concludes our conference for this week. Please, Mr. Borowski, tell us what our topic is going to be next week. Um, your topic of next week needs to be uh, 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 the legitimacy of science in the media. Oh, you heard it here first. We'll be talking about that next week, the legitimacy of science in the media. Damn. And, of course, uh, we have to give an outro to all of our panelists, starting with the winner. Mr. Dave Borowski, can you tell the people either where to find you, what you want to plug, anything we can listen to you further on? Um, you can find me at, uh, at Dave Borowski on all social media. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm also appearing on a Kill Tony episode on YouTube Live that will premiere tonight. Uh, if you don't watch it live, it is going to be episode 550. Uh, you know, uh, that's uh, my first ever uh, YouTube uh, premiered uh, stand-up set, um, and then also more will be coming. Uh, tonight being March 28th, 2022, whereas this episode, I believe, premieres sometime in early May. This is a Cinco de Mayo episode, everybody. That's fine. Well, then it will be episode uh, 550 of, okay. of Kill Tony, uh, which yeah. will you can find on YouTube or any of your uh, Spotify's and whatnot. Also, uh, check out uh, my podcast, the obviously complicated podcast, which will be coming to YouTube and Spotify and uh, Apple Music soon uh, and can now be found on SoundCloud. And nice. apparently, uh, based on the tags that are uh, from Facebook, you can find Dave Borowski just throwing a hissy fit in most Walmart uh, customer service lines, too. So uh, <laughs> if, if you're in the Austin, Texas area, uh, look out for either Walmart customer services or the dumpster area of 7-Elevens where you can hear uh, yeah, you seen green hair, you're, return you, shit. You're going to get green with envy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, Guy Manley, where can people find you? Who are you? Uh, Jack Billings presents uh, Haunted Apartment Complex, a weird scripted audio comedy. Um, you can also find me on I Love This Terrible Game, a video game show about video games. Uh, Generation Clash, uh, a music podcast with me and my kid. And podcast of the year winner, No Time to Binge, uh, with... B Highland and a couple of schmucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, podcast of the year, funniest comedy podcast of the year and best podcast in popular culture at the scene snobs awards. You, you I mean, what else can you ask for? A lot of vampires. Yeah. Like we can yeah. ask for more vampires on that podcast. We can't ask for more vampires, yeah. but yeah. we can't ask for more abs because we have enough abs on that show to last us <laughs> a lifetime. That's true. There's three of them. And who needs more than <laughs> one ab a person? It's short for abdomen, right? Yeah. I don't think so. All right. Uh, and uh, Guy Manley, or who are you? Where's yeah. You? So you could find me uh, spitting out all those brilliant words that uh, Guy Manliest up here talks about. Uh, if you literally open up anything that's on your cell phone, tablet, or even old Tamagotchi devices, open up anything on there and just type in some nobodies. What you're going to find are award winning podcasts such as No Time to Binge. Also, award winning podcasts such as No Time to Binge. Also, award-winning podcast, No Time to Binge, where you'll find me 
and a couple of schmucks as well. Uh, obviously, Silicon Angels, which is the only and the funniest podcast about the IT department of sex robots. Uh, maybe Talking Upstream, which is an award-nominated... Sex robots. Okay, we got to get this off here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on that, look up uh, some nobodies, guys. Uh, Guy Manlius, what you got? Uh, you can find me at the same place you find Guy Manlier. Also, Twitter, Vorpal underscore words. Uh, award-winning podcast, No Time to Binge. Uh and I believe that's it. I'm not anywhere else. Well, we well, we yeah. also got well, we got to say our, our our catchphrase. Uh, Guy Manley, can you please say our catchphrase? Yeah, PowerPoint me to the exit. And of course, until next week, I promise you, I'll treat you well, my sweet angel. So help me, Jesus. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Is that is that Warren Zevon? Thank you for watching PowerPoint Showdown. Today's winner will receive a $50,000 grant courtesy of Some Nobody's Patreon. Congratulations on your win. Join us next week for another showdown. Thanks for providing that big, 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 big prize, guys. Hmm. <clears throat>